Welcome to the Best of Home Design Chat with Nancy. I hope you enjoy this pre-recorded show. If you have any questions, you can always email me at nancy at nancyhugo.com. Welcome back to Home Design Chat with Nancy. If you're remodeling or building a new home, you don't want to miss these podcasts. We share information about every component of your home. You'll learn about tile, appliances, cabinets, paint, flooring, lighting. We cover it all. Well, today is December 15th, and if you're looking at your calendar, you have 10 more days till Christmas, and time is really going by fast. One of the greatest challenges for a kitchen designer is to create a design that the customer appreciates aesthetically and simultaneously provides them with a functionally well-designed kitchen. It's equally difficult to just not make any mistakes, and sadly, there's something very few kitchen designers can actually accomplish. Well, is your kitchen designer designing a dangerous kitchen for you? And we're going to find out because my special guest is Paul McElary. Paul is the president of Mainline Kitchen Design, and that's located in Ballackinwood, Pennsylvania. Probably they're having snow and we're having uh, <laughs> 75 degrees. But Paul, thank you so much for taking your time to talk to us. Oh, thank you, Nancy. It's a, it's a pleasure being on your podcast. Um, uh, you know, having a podcast ourselves, we 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 uh, you know appreciate the 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 forum and the opportunity to to get our name out there too. Definitely. So um, yeah. So as far as kitchens go, you know, if you go to insur ask insurance companies, they will tell you that the kitchen is the most dangerous room in the house. But um, uh, right next to the bathtub, where people usually <laughs> break their hip when they're coming out. Okay. And then the bathtub, too. It's a lot yeah. of times if they're breaking their hip, they're older. If they're in their bathtub, they should have shower bars, right? I'm sure. Well, now they design... should change it to a walk-in shower. We know that. Well, that that, that would be even better. Yes. But uh, if they can't afford to do that or whatever, at least if they have shower bars all over the place, they'll be less likely to, they'll be less likely to fall. Absolutely. But same thing as kitchens. As far as kitchens go, you can make kitchens dangerous a million different ways. And it can be some something as simple as just even putting a light switch in the wrong location. You know, if you're coming in from outside and it's dark out and you've maybe it's a new home or you've never been in that home before and you're the first one walking through the door, you might be fumbling around trying to find a light switch and in the process step on a dog dish, fall over, break your fracture your skull, break your hip, do whatever. But even a light switch can make something dangerous. But um, in some one of the blogs I wrote in one of the speeches that I give all the time, I talk about what are the 10 most or nine most really dangerous things that you can do in your kitchen. And, uh, you know, most of these things will have the potential, I guess, to kill you. Mm. So, um, well, I know you're going to go through them, and I just mm -hmm. want people to start using your imagination because this is not a video, it's an audio. So Paul is going to explain the different scenarios of um, what can be dangerous in the kitchen, and you just have to use your imagination as he's talking. So go for it, Paul. That's that's really that's good advice. I have to do that more on my podcast is, you know, you have to concentrate to give people the to try to create the the uh, the visual for them. And I. I fall down and don't don't do that enough on our podcast well i used to have a radio show and uh -huh. before my first show somebody gave me a a hint he said don't forget radio is theater of the mind you have to explain everything and then people can imagine it if they have an imagination some people don't but hopefully everybody listening to this podcast has an imagination so where do well, we start 
as kitchen designers, we have to have an imagination. Otherwise, we can't be good at our jobs. That's true. So um, the number one or the, the at least the the dangerous uh, kitchen design flaw that I list first or speak about usually first is putting things that are flammable close to your cooktop burners. And that happens a lot. You'll see it where people will have a cooktop that's right next to their oven cabinet. So they'll mm-hmm. have like a double oven cabinet. And then the next cabinet over is a cooktop. So if you put a big flat pot or a big spaghetti pot on top of the stove and you have a gas cooktop flattening out the flames, the flames will actually be licking the sides of the oven cabinet. So, I mean, that's a terrible and, thing. And Who typically knows? the oven cabinet is wood, yeah, which typically. is a very combustible material. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, I mean, that's an old fashioned way to set your house on fire. Who knows how many homes got set on fire from that. Nowadays, mm-hmm. sometimes in the most expensive kitchens, they'll create these hearths some people call them grottos, where the hood actually comes all the way down to the countertop. I know you've seen it, but possibly... Well, actually, to explain it a little bit better, we'll say the hood is above the cooktop, but then Mm -hmm. it has legs that are sitting on the countertop. And people think it's so cute because they have little doors and little drawers, and Mm -hmm. you don't realize that this is very dangerous. Go ahead. Yes. I didn't want to interrupt you, but no, no, no. I'm using my imagination. You're doing a better job of descri- describing than I am, so I appreciate it. So, yeah, so exactly that. And it's it's doubly dangerous because not only the are these legs always too close to the burners, but then when you put a pot on the back burner, you can't turn the handle out because the leg is in the way. So that means the handle has to go back over the burner on the other side. So if you don't set your house on fire, you'll be burning your hands trying. If you have all the you know, if you have a couple of burners on at the same time, you'll be reaching across burners to get the handles of your pots or pans. um, And not only that, I'm a clean freak. And I always Mm -hmm. tell people if you're going to fry anything or whatever you're going to do, you're going to end up having to clean the sides of those legs that are coming down. Sure. And it, it'll eventually people will get tired of that. Now, somebody came up with that idea and it really caught on. But aesthetically, it's adorable. Functionally, it's terrible. So, yeah, it's terrible functionally and dangerous. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So the combination of the two. So that would be my number one, uh, you know, my first, usually the first dangerous thing that I discuss. But, um, uh, you know, a lot of these things have to do with fire because that's one of the most dangerous things happening in the kitchen. So the second the second example that uh, I usually list is having the range too close to or underneath a window. And, you know, that can be dangerous and damage the window, but can be dangerous for a lot of reasons. So, you know, when what's, I have customers, go ahead. What's one of the reasons? Because I had to look that up years ago and they said, well, the pilot light could blow out if you open the window. That's why they didn't want a window above the cooktop or the the range. Um, but now they have uh, electric ignitions. So. Sure. Mm-hmm. So why do we not want a window above? And I've seen this on TV kitchens. So people do a lot of things very regularly and having the window underneath, uh, having the cooktop underneath the window doesn't break building code, nor in a lot of places would the building inspector object to you having a bathroom door open right on your kitchen table or right onto your cooking surface or right onto someplace else. 
but it doesn't mean that they're not terrible ideas. So mm -hmm. for instance, when our customers want to put their cooktop underneath their window, they'll promise not to put curtains on the window or blinds on the window. Right. When you turn the when you turn the burners on, the since hot air rises, it it sort of um, depressurizes the area in front of the of the burners. So what actually happens is you turn the burners on, if you have blinds going all the way down, it pulls the blinds uh, forward, forward or whatever <laughs> into the room and so it makes them easily easily easy to ignite. So I mean that's one common way. But, you know, even if you're not planning on putting curtains on the window, it doesn't mean that after you move out, because you know better, that the people that buy your home aren't going to do it. They might not think about it. We've replaced several people's kitchens that, you know, thankfully nobody died, but they had home fires. And their mm -hmm. home fires started from having their cooktop either underneath the window or right next to the window. So, so here's a stupid question, Paul. If they do have, because I've never seen it in reality, if mm -hmm. they have a window above their cooktop, where's their hood? Where's their ventilation system? <laughs> well, that's another problem, of course, too. So oh. they might then have a downdraft or they might, a lot of them have no hood. They and, open the window. They open. They could open the window, and then okay. if they have a if they have a pilotless, they don't have a pilotless burner. Now they've got a real problem because if it blows out the the pilot, if they have an old fashioned pilot, now you've got gas accumulating. You think you're boiling your spaghetti water on the stove. Meanwhile, you're creating a bomb. <laughs> but yeah. uh, but um, the other thing too is you probably wouldn't have this as much as we would here. Well, wouldn't I assume it wouldn't have this problem at all. But for us, it gets really cold outside in the winter. So there'll be ice on the inside of the windows sometimes. Oh, I um, remember yeah. those days. I used to live there. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. you got to get the scraper to scrape your window so you can look outside. <laughs> so if you have uh, insulated glass on your window and you have the outside temperature really cold and the inside temperature is right next to the burners on your stove, the difference in the temperatures between those two things a lot of times is going to break the seal on your window. And then that's how your windows get all fogged up and you ruin your windows. So it's even another problem that you're just, you have these expensive windows that you might've gotten and now they're, they're ruined because you put your cooktop. There's always better places to put your cooktop yeah. than underneath. So the, window. the solution to this one is don't even think about it. Yeah. Don't think about it. Don't do it. Cause you're Maybe not have customers that have done it. But maybe their walls are stone walls that are 10 inches thick or 12 inches thick, and the windows are back set so that the windows and the window treatments and everything else are so far removed. And then maybe even the, the, the cabinets or the burners and everything are pulled forward a little bit so that you're not, you know, you're not making things in such close proximity that it's that, you know, that it's as dangerous as it would be. I mean, maybe yeah. an induction cooktop would solve that problem. Well, that helps the pro that helps the issue, sure. Well, um, talking about induction cooktops, I want to talk about Thermador. Thermador uh -huh. is luxury appliances redefined. Two customizable collections to suit your style. The masterpiece and the professional collections tell two distinct design stories while providing every necessary ingredient required to personalize your home. Experience unparalleled innovation and performance across cooling, cooking, and dish care, now featuring smart kitchen appliances enabled with HomeConnect. So to learn more about what HomeConnect is, you can go to Thermador.com or visit your local showroom where you can see, touch, and learn more about those Thermador experiences. Okay, what's our next one? So our next one, and by the way, 
induction cooktops do take away a lot of this these dangers, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, you don't have open flames, which is good, and they heat up really fast, so you haven't really sacrificed the the one thing that people the reason people want. Open right, flames but cook. I might say for people who don't realize this, because I am a clean freak, and you can mm -hmm. have an induction cooktop, and when you fry. Who likes to clean it? You put paper towel on your cooktop and then you get your frying pan and put it on top of the paper towel. Then when you're finished cooking, you just roll up your paper towel, you throw it away and you're done. Yeah. That's I love that. another good reason. I've, I've never even thought about doing that. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know all the cleaning uh, things. Okay. What's our next one? Our third one is uh, having your range or your cooktop not at the, not next to a window, but what if there's no cabinet and countertop on the side? What if it's what we call as kitchen designers? What if it's at the end of the run that the counter that the last thing on your countertop? You have a bunch of countertop, then you have your cooktop, and there's no countertop or anything on the side of that. And that sometimes is really the most dangerous thing of all because a lot of times the reason that there's nothing after the range or after the cooktop is because there's a door there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> which means that when your, when your stove is on or your cooktop is on, people are entering a room, not paying attention, not even realizing that there's an open flame possibly inches away from them. And if they have long hair, if they're just coming in, if it's in the wintertime here, they're wearing you know loose clothing and, and big, you know, they could be coming in the back door of a house. And if you've got your stove on and you're making a hot toddy or whatever you're doing because it's cold outside, you're walking in with your scarf and everything else on and it's right next to the open flames. So it, that's a huge danger. Mm -hmm. and, yes, uh, and it doesn't have to be a door going outside. It could be a doorway just uh, entering your living room or your dining room. Sure. And I always think about the pot handles yeah. sticking out and if you have little kids and they come in and hit that pot handle that whole pot is going to dump on them yeah and it could be hot grease or you yeah. know it could it could be calamitous so, so yeah it, yeah i was going to say even if it's not at the end of the run if your pot handles are sticking forward so that it's actually it could stick into your stomach or whatever you right. have to take your pot handles and swing them around so that they're not in the way because if you have little kids they're going to get hurt yeah. So that's why we really insist or, you know, we, we have a, a customer just recently that wanted to buy a $45,000 cabinet order from us with pretty expensive cabinetry. And they had in their existing kitchen a cooktop that was right on an island, right at the corner of the island so that there was no countertop on one side and we wouldn't sell it to them. And, you know, they were like, well, we have it now. We just want the same thing again. And it doesn't make a difference because we're not going to sell somebody something that we know is going to be dangerous, because if we warn them that it's going to be dangerous and then they, in fact, do injure themselves as professionals, we're instantly liable. There's no way you can yeah. win a lawsuit with a customer when you told them something was dangerous, but then you were so greedy or so nonchalant about their own safety that you sold them that thing. So, so I might add that kitchen designers don't just make pretty kitchens. We have to look at the safety and the function of the kitchen that we're designing. And if people don't listen to us, why don't they go to their butcher and have him design the kitchen? Sure. So we're doing this for a reason, to make it a safe uh, environment for your family. I just, I wanted to throw that on to that customer of yours. So there. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure he has that now and we'll hope that he's safe, but he didn't, we didn't let him buy his cabinets from us because I always think 
you know, th that one job doesn't matter. That $40,000 is, is nothing compared to how much that lawsuit could have been if his child or, you know, a family member was severely injured. Yeah. So but I might add, it. if somebody finds a kitchen designer, or maybe they're not a kitchen designer, they just sell cabinets, and they go along with these ideas that are not safe, I would say run to the real kitchen designer. Don't buy anything from somebody just because they're selling cabinets and they're going to do what you want to do, and it's wrong. So well, go to somebody um, who knows what they're doing. I mean, I would agree with that, and I would tell you, too, from a couple of uh, fights that happened on LinkedIn between myself and some other kitchen designers that most kitchen designers probably think that if the customer wants it, and you warn them, then it's their job to protect themselves, that they'll put the sale essentially ahead of, you know, the, endangering the customer if the customer really wants it. And many kitchen designers, when we were, some people were defending, you know, not doing that and having the ethics to not even sell kitchens to people. And a lot of people were making a lot of kitchen designers that were CKDs were actually that's certified kitchen designers. And, and uh, Nancy, you're one, I know. Mm -hmm. But um, in our profession, people that were certified kitchen designers were defending just selling people whatever they want as long as they were warned. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I'm going to say that certified kitchen designers, um, we take tests, we have a lot of experience, but not to say that every kitchen designer knows what they're doing, just like not every doctor knows what he's doing. Sure. So you have to check them out, find out what they do. But I also was going to say that if a, somebody sells a kitchen that we feel, you and I feel, would not be safe, and the person who sold it is just thinking of making the sale because the customer wants it, if something happens, they will be named in a lawsuit. Sure. So yeah. they don't think that far in advance, but no, and and they you know, sometimes think that actually if they get somebody to sign something saying that they've been warned, that alleviates them of the responsibility. And in in fact, it's the opposite. That if you warn somebody as a professional and you make them sign something saying you said that it's dangerous and they're doing it anyway. You've already lost the lawsuit because you've you've essentially admitted the fact that you did something unprofessional. So that's why you better be carrying some kind of professional liability insurance. A you, lot you know, of it. <laughs> and a lot of it, yes. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to bring up this, Paul. We're talking about safety. And I know I talked to you before we started uh, on air. Microwaves that are set too high. This is my pet peeve. And I think my audience knows that I'm a little petite-ish. So I'm not your average size. And the first thing I look at when I walk into a kitchen or the first thing that I think of when I design a kitchen is the height of the microwave so that it's safe. Have you ever had a customer that said, no, I want it up 18 inches above the countertop. You got to be a basketball player to use it. Sure. So what do you do in that case when they insist? Well, one of those people was my wife. Oh. <laughs> and so I I acquiesced to her, which means she's five feet even. Uh -huh. And she wanted a microwave hood over her stove. And oh. I wanted a microwave drawer. And so uh, for some reason, don't ask me why, she wanted the microwave over the stove. And ultimately... As long as, you know, she was only using, she doesn't use the microwave for anything else, but like heating up, reheating a cup of coffee. So I, you know, as long as it's a well-designed kitchen, I'm happy with it. 
but um, uh, uh, you know, but it, it's it certainly it, it certainly isn't my you know when it, when it's an, a customer and not my own wife, I I try to dissuade them of it. Yeah, I have recommended the microwave in a drawer many times because that solves the problem. A lot of times, especially with the new designs, we're doing away with so many of the wall cabinets. Mm -hmm. And people want open shelves or just plain walls, which I like the look of because sometimes we have too many cabinets in a kitchen. So the microwave drawer really solves the problem. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if people out there don't know what we're talking about, just you can go online and you can Google it. And, mm -hmm. uh, or you can go into a showroom and ask to see it. There's pros and cons on that, but definitely for shorter people, and also I might add for people in wheelchairs and for the elderly, it's much easier to get something out of that microwave drawer than to raise the dish or whatever and put it into the microwave that's almost above your head. It's above your head and and, yeah. you know, and possibly whatever's when you're taking it out is when it's really dangerous because then whatever's in it is hot and then you can spill it on yourself. Yeah. And a lot of my customers have kids that not four years old, but if they're eight, nine years old, they can use a microwave to do popcorn or whatever. Um, and if you're using the microwave drawer, it's easier for them to reach than, again, mm -hmm. having to climb on a chair, which we don't sure. rec we don't recommend that. <laughs> right? <laughs> of course not. You know, um, um, if people are interested in microwave drawers, they can also go on monogram.com and put in microwave drawer. Monogram's intelligent appliances are built to enhance your kitchen, cuisine, and beyond. Experience peace of mind, convenience, and an optimized performance with the Smart HQ app, which elevates the way you interact with your home and appliances by allowing you to do things like preheating your oven from your phone and checking how much time remains on your dishwasher's cycle. So again, go to microwave, I'm sorry, go to monogram.com to learn more or visit your local showroom. And don't forget to ask about the microwave drawer. Okay. And if you happen to be, have a wife like mine that wants a microwave hood and you get a monogram microwave hood nowadays, they have a TV screen on one of the new models that can not only show you your TV program or recipes or other things on the face of your microwave, it will also show you what's cooking on your burners. So you could be across the room and see if your pot needs to be stirred or anything else. So it's, that was one of the things that was at KBiz the last oh, time I was there, was a new okay. GE monogram oh. uh, uh, microwave hood that had the, the face of, you know, the, uh, the uh, a TV screen essentially was the face of the microwave. So for those people who don't know, KBiz is actually kitchen and bath industry, industry show, yeah. show. And once a year, uh, they if anybody's going to introduce anything new, it's going to be there. Now, it's not open to the public, but you can go on HGTV and you can watch the whole show. So you save the money and, you know, you don't have to pay the admission like we do. Or fly <laughs> to wherever, and you can watch that. Okay, so now where are we up to? I think we're up to we 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 knocked off four, three, and four together in one fell swoop. Boy, so good. number five is something that um, you know, people wouldn't think of a lot of the time, but you always you can't have wall cabinets on the wall without base cabinets or a countertop below them. So you know the 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 countertop and the base cabinets that are below a wall cabinet 
They protect people from being able to get underneath a cabinet and possibly stand up or bend over and uh, to reach something and then stand up and fracture their skull on the cabinet above. So, um, you know, it's a typical thing where you'll, you know, people will want more cabinetry and in their drive to want more cabinetry, they will have the wall cabinets come out and they'll go past the cabinets that uh, pass the base cabinets or pass the countertop. And it's incredibly dangerous. In fact, I actually know someone personally that was a carpenter. And, you know, from installing cabinets, you know, a lot of carpenters will install the wall cabinets first and then will install the base cabinet second. Well, he installed the wall cabinets and then bent over and forgot. And when he stood up, it fractured his skull on the wall cabinet that was above him and it ended up uh, permanently blinding him. He ruptured wow. his optic nerve and was permanently blinded. Yeah. So, um, but you know, if it's even more dangerous because at least he was a professional and sort of, sort of, you know, knew what he was doing. But if you know, if you have a wall cabinet coming out past where your your countertop is coming, there's going to be a kid. There's going to be somebody that's going to drop something on the floor, bend over to pick it up, and then hit their head possibly right on the corner of the cabinet. Yeah. So that's another thing that's incredibly dangerous. And yeah, it, it, it certainly can kill you. I don't know if it, you know, if it, uh, in the only case I know of, at least, it it only blinded somebody. But mm -hmm. it, it certainly, people can hit their head all the time. Yeah, good point. Good point. Okay, what else? Uh, let's see. So I, I guess this one is one that you, we see all the time as kitchen designers. But um, you know, people will have their cabinets and then they'll put their molding on top of the cabinets and they'll start getting closer and closer to the ceiling without making it all the way up. And, you know, at some point, once you get to four or five inches or heaven forbid three or two inches away from the ceiling with molding on top of your cabinets, now that space that you've created is impossible to clean. So you can't even get up on top of a, a, a ladder or anything else and ever be able to get the vacuum cleaner or anything through the space that you've left to be able to clean on top of the cabinets. And so over decades and decades of time, you're just collecting dust and dust mites and, uh, you know, grease and everything else in that cavity that is impossible to clean. And, you know, over time, it's incredibly unhealthy to have all of that stuff that's not ever able to be, you know, cleaned or, or so we always say once you get close to the ceiling, your moldings and everything else need to reach the entire way. Right. So you should always and, and it certainly looks much more built in. So, yeah, you know, so they can either track. stack moldings, which would uh -huh. solve yeah. the problem, or they could build a, depending on the number of inches they have, a small soffit. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we do a lot of tray ceilings, which is where you have a soffit. If you have 10 foot high ceilings or nine foot high ceilings, and you're trying to save a little bit of money and not have the cabinets go all the way up to a 10 foot high ceiling, you build a soffit that might be six inches or nine inches high around the whole perimeter of the room. And then your cabinetry doesn't have to be quite as high, but then you also create a nice cavity in the middle of the room where you can have additional moldings. And then if you even divide those, that cavity up, that's what's called a coffered ceiling, where mm -hmm. you divide the thing up in like beans or whatever into yeah. a checker. So board. I might add, just as a design thing, but also functionally, if they're going to put a soffit in, they can extend the soffit past the wall cabinets and they can put can lights in the soffit, which sure. would then 
shine directly on their countertop, and that's called task lighting. Mm -hmm. So if you have a problem with lighting, that's a good way to solve it. Sure. Um, the next one we're going to do is probably one that uh, if you're living in Phoenix, you don't have this problem. But if you're in cold environments, this is this is uh, was a huge problem maybe a decade ago. And that's um, that people started using professional appliances like Wolf and Viking appliances right. and GE monogram and very expensive, more you know commercial kind of appliances. Um, maybe 15 years ago or so. And when they went to buy a hood for the commercial appliance, the appliance salespeople would sell them the hood that was sort of designed to go with that commercial appliance. But the commercial appliances were supposed to be going into a restaurant. And restaurants have whole ventilation systems that are very different from a home. So when the appliance people were giving people these very powerful hoods and the reason the hoods are so powerful in restaurants is not just to get rid of smoke and grease. It's that restaurant cooking areas are very confined. There's usually lots of people working, which generates heat. And the, the burners and all the appliances are on the whole evening, the whole cooking shift. Mm -hmm. So it creates an incredible amount of heat. So the fans and the blowers on the hoods aren't really designed to get rid of the, the smoke and the grease as much as they're designed to get rid of the heat. So when people started buying these professional appliances, they were getting these hoods, some of which were 1,200 CFMs, which is cubic feet of air per minute that is getting pumped out of the person's house. Mm -hmm. And why that's a bad thing is that if you're in an area that's either hot, where in the summertime all your windows are closed and you have your air conditioning on. That's us. Or that's you, <laughs> or really cold, like we like here in the wintertime, where our heat is on, but all of our air conditioning is closed. Then if you turn on your blower, that's 1,200 CFMs, your whole house is an envelope that's completely sealed because your windows are closed tight. And so where does the air, where does 1,200 cubic feet of air come from when someone's windows and doors are all closed? And the answer is the only thing that's open is whatever the chim whatever chimney that you have. Mm -hmm. So in your area, probably not as dangerous because the only thing that might be venting outside would be the water heater. So the warp with the, the carbon monoxide that was going up the water heater vent is now being pulled into your house. But if you're in a really cold environment, your whole heater is on or your fireplaces are on. And so all of that air just comes down and your whole house in a very cold environment gets filled with carbon monoxide rapidly. And the place it fills up first is usually in the basement because that's where the, the heating system is. So your kids might be playing in the basement uh, and, and then the whole basement is instantly filled with carbon monoxide. So I, I know the first place it started to happen was where people were rich and it was cold. And so people in Jackson Hole and families in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, were some of the first places to get really ill. But it started happening all over the country as people got more expensive appliances and got heating systems that were, you know, heat or venting systems that were too powerful. So now... Uh, the federal government stepped in finally in 2011, and now you can't have a hood more powerful than 400 cubic feet of air per minute unless you have a replacement air system, unless you have a way to take away the, 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 the negative pressure that gets created by these things. Interesting. So. And by the way, we don't have basements. 
So, okay. Well, that, so then it doesn't make a difference that if your water heater is on the first floor, you're filling up your first floor with the water heater, okay. carbon monoxide. But way, way more dangerous when yeah. a true, when true, when it's cold outside than when it's warm outside. Yeah. I think we have um, one more issue, right? Yep. The last one would be not a brand new thing that's uh, that is most dangerous for people that have very expensive uh, inset or beaded inset cabinetry. Um, it's really not a good idea for any cabinetry, but um, ovens and heating and uh, ovens and microwave uh, speed ovens, things that get really hot that were are, are supposed to be maybe built into wall cab to, to either wall cabinets or more likely built into tall oven cabinets weren't designed to have the oven made flush with the face of the cabinet. So when all those ovens were designed, they were designed to have the box of the oven recess into the uh, into the cabinet box, but the seal of the oven and the doors of the oven are all in front of the box. So I know you know when you design a kitchen, I'm sure you you keep the doors and the drawer fronts and stuff an inch or so at least away from the 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 seals of the ovens, mm -hmm. so that the heat doesn't come out of the oven and and possibly ruin the finish on the cabinetry, et cetera. Well, nowadays, if you were to take your oven and cut out the hole and recess the whole oven into the, the cavity so that the face of the door of the oven was even with the face of the oven of the oven cabinet, then the seal for the oven is actually in back of the oven cabinet. And so when you turn on the, the oven and put it on the self-cleaning cycle, that goes up to 770 degrees. And heaven forbid the seal on the oven ever you know ceases to function at 100% because 770 degree heat will be pumping out of your oven directly into the box of the cabinet and you know it's it's going to ignite the cabinet pretty rapidly i would think hmm. so it's something that's happening now a lot and they show it in in, in um, appliance stores but we won't ever sell it to a customer. If a customer wants to have inset cabinetry, they can or inset appliances. We'll do a microwave inset because the temperature inside the microwaves don't get that hot. But mm -hmm. we won't do an oven inset into the face of a cabinet. Interesting to know. I hope everybody uh, is writing down these things. <laughs> I, I, I want to add one more thing. I think it's dangerous when people have ovens and refrigerators without landing space. I think mm -hmm. I was talking to you about that before. And one of the cutest kitchens on TV was um, Madam President's Kitchen. But she actually, that's a cute kitchen, but don't ever pick any ideas or anything, any design elements that she had, because that was very dangerous. Uh, so what we're talking about is when you have a refrigerator or an oven, and you don't have any place to put the stuff that you're taking out of the oven... That is dangerous because you don't want to take that turkey out or that roast. And then where do you put it? If you don't have an island, I mean, you can turn around and you can put it on the island. But otherwise, I've seen these freestanding refrigerators. They're built in between two walls and they're out in the back 40. I mean, where are you supposed to take your stuff and put it? Same with the ovens. So I think landing space, and we all know that when we, dec when we uh, design kitchens, we have to make it practical so we have landing spaces. I have a client that I have been 
teaching her design 101. And so now she understands about landing spaces and where things should go. But it's designing a kitchen is not as simple as a lot of people think. They think, oh, yeah, you play with colors. How cute. You know, you got not anybody can design a kitchen. Right, Paul? Oh, it's way harder than you think. By uh, I um, wrote a or created a kitchen intentionally that had, I think it was, I think I knew about 28 major mistakes in it. And I did, did it for our kids because they would make fun of me and sort of say, well, anybody can design a kitchen. Mm -hmm. And so I designed a kitchen with all these mistakes in it. And I said, you guys are so smart. You got, you know, 1500 on the SATs. Let's see you find, you know, just some of the mistakes in this kitchen. And of course, the, I, I told them I'll give them 20 bucks for every one they found. And they could hardly find any. And there were seven or eight of them that I just rattled off here that could kill somebody. And then a whole mm -hmm. bunch of other mistakes, like the doors don't open and your dishwasher door can't come down or whatever these different problems are. And if you're a, a bad kitchen designer, automatically you're making these, you know, uh, sometimes people will hand me designs that are done at other places. And it's like, I know how hard it was for me to get all of these mistakes in my design. It took me hours and hours and hours and hours to try to make mistakes. Yeah. Well, these people are trying to do a good kitchen and they have 15 mistakes I can rattle off right off the, at looking at their designs. So no, it's, it's hard. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of us are not, a lot of us as kitchen designers are not particularly good at our jobs. Yeah. I've told this story before, but I was working for a company where I was just doing countertops and cultured marble but anyway countertops and kitchens and of course as a designer I would see these things so this man designed his kitchen I was going to do the countertops and I said you know you're not going to be able to open up your refrigerator because your island is too close to the perimeter cabinets <laughs> and he said uh well this is the way I designed it and I want it this way and I said what are you a rocket scientist <laughs> and, and he was <laughs> so he insisted that his design is what he wanted, and I did the countertops with minimal overhang, and he couldn't open the door to the refrigerator after it was all said and done. So there you have it. I don't care if you're a rocket scientist. If you don't specialize in kitchen design, it's uh, easy to make mistakes. We have a whole video that we make with, that we do where – and engineers a lot of the times ten I was an engineer in college so and actually the person that plays the engineer in our video uh, was an engineer as well but engineers are notoriously tough customers for kitchen designers because they want to translate they want their knowledge and expertise to translate into our field and so so they come up with some of the wackiest and strangest things so the the video we have is very funny it's uh you know it's trying to teach customers that they need our help but it's also an inside joke for us as kitchen designers because engineers can be such tough customers for us. Oh, absolutely. Well, I want to say one thing about Studio 41. And um, I might add that if you're not familiar with Studio 41, they have 14 showrooms, but they mainly have their showrooms in Illinois, and they do have one in Scottsdale. It's uh, a complete solution for any kitchen or bath design project. They provide everything you need for your project, from complimentary design services to the best quality products and innovations available in the industry. They have hundreds of top designs across plumbing fixtures, cabinets, and decorative hardware. And the show 
showrooms in Illinois also feature tile and windows, which Scottsdale doesn't. So they can begin your project with a visit to one of Studio 41's 14 premier kitchen and bath showrooms, and you can go to shopstudio41.com to find out the locations. And I might say that I have never seen such a great selection of cabinet hardware. They must have thousands, so I go there. <laughs> Luckily, it's in Scottsdale, and I go there all the time, bring my customers in. We pick out all of our plumbing, but also the uh, cabinet um, the cabinet hardware. This has been fun, Paul. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Yeah, thanks, we got to do for this again. And, uh, it makes it uh, it makes it easier because uh, when you have a knowledgeable person to speak with, so you you know, it's uh, it's uh, that much that much easier making a podcast. Yes, yes, <laughs> we will do this again. Hey, uh, I, would, I would like that. Good. Have a happy holiday and yeah, happy holiday too. to everybody out there. Thank I hope you. everybody enjoyed today's show. And please subscribe on the platform that you're using to listen to these podcasts. And don't forget to share them with your friends, as I've said all the time. We have so much information. You don't want to keep it a secret. And this information that we have today might save a life. So share it. If you want to learn more about me, you can go to nancyhugo.com. And if you have any questions for me or for Paul, you can email me at nancy at nancy hugo.com so again paul have a happy holiday we'll do this again in 2022 and everybody stay safe and have a great day thank you thank you thank you